Welcome to the fourth session of The Chopping Block. Welcome. Ben Deaver here. Dave Gelder. On staff at Tallgrass Community Church in Manhattan, Kansas. We're excited to bring this Chopping Block session to you. So, of course, The Chopping Block are the things that got cut from our sermon. So, Dave, this last Sunday, <laughs> spoke on uh, Luke 6, Life in the Upside Down Kingdom, Big Javelin about loving our enemies and uh, there's several pages here that were on his chopping block. So we're literally bringing to you our yeah, that's right. figurative cho- chopping block. Yeah, that's right. This will be the first of the chopping block that's like exactly what we had thought of when we first conceived yeah. of it. We'll <laughs> yeah. see how it goes. So we're filming this one here in the uh, to- uh, College Heights Baptist Church uh, meeting space. And so a little bit of change of scenery as well. So let's yeah. let's get down to it. That's right. So Dave, this, this yeah, one may be a little bit more... Uh, a little bit more tied to my notes, looking at things, a little bit less polished, but hopefully uh, it'll be still value add. Cool. Great. So kind of uh, the theme of what we're going to talk about is the weight. So what about this question? How do we really flesh out what we talked about on Sunday, which was Jesus's command, his startling command that his followers should love their enemies. Mm-hmm. And so the first question, I've got uh, six questions we're going to address that I think um, folks uh, have, have communicated to me and, and would follow from this. So the first one, wait, what does it really look like to love our enemies? Jesus didn't answer the question. And so I think that's a fair one. And we kind of uh, ended with this one on Sunday. Uh, Jesus is in, in this uh, sermon, he kind of uses this Jewish rhetorical style where rather than answering all the specifics, so how, so what, mm-hmm. uh, all of the, the, the different scenarios, he kind of goes after forming the heart of a thing. And the trust and the hope is that if the heart gets formed, uh, as a heart that learns to love uh, our enemies, then it'll kind of work its way out it's situation to situation. So that's a little bit frustrating, I think, for us Westerners, because I want to know the answer. Mm-hmm. Dave, are you saying that the wisdom literature doesn't give you the exact ways in which to behave in every specific situation, but rather begins to shape, yeah, yeah. be transformed by the renewing of our minds, yeah. our heart set, so that when we face real-life situations... Mm-hmm we will be able to engage yeah. with wisdom. Yeah, that's, that's definitely what I think. Cool. Yeah, I appreciate you clarifying that. So, uh, so as you engage with a, a lot of the parts of Scripture that are written uh, specifically in this way, the Proverbs uh, especially, uh, have this in mind that what's being sought after is, uh, is the heart and forming the heart set, oftentimes using uh, very extreme opposites uh, to show uh, what the principle behind what's being mm-hmm. talked about. Okay, so uh, we do know some clues. Jesus did in the, in the sermon that we talked about, the Sermon on the Plain in Luke 6. He did talk about, you know, uh, this would look like not judging and condemning others, you know, especially their hearts. Don't judge them as a person. You know, not, not talking about being able to judge what's true, but being able to, or judge, judging people, condemning people. Uh, we would give generously, we would forgive recklessly and help others see truth. So we did get some clues there. There's a lot more clues to what does it look like to live this life uh, in the rest of Scripture, especially in the epistles, uh, the letters in the New Testament. You see the Apostle Paul and uh, others really living this out in the situations of their lives. So those can be helpful. Uh, finally, a uh, thought that I had is one of the maybe more brave steps would be as you go through the, the difficult process of deciding, wait, who is my enemy? Mm-hmm. Maybe it's a specific person. Maybe it's a type of person, whether it should or shouldn't be. You know, that, that, that's, the, that's the answer for you. So uh, a next step would be find someone, either that specific person or someone like that, and befriend them. Uh, get to know someone who's like the enemy that you have in your yeah. mind. Pray for them as well. That's right. Then their success is now your success. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that was specifically even addressed by Jesus. 
So the challenge is get to know someone who's, who's your enemy and actually, actually mm-hmm. pra- start to practice loving them. So many of us have enemies in our mind, especially when they're types of people and we don't actually have any relationships with anyone who's that right. All right, so that's number one. Are we good on number one? Great. All right, you, we're, we're, we're going to keep on going. Let the next us know one. if we need to keep addressing number one in the that's comments right. below. That's right. The comments, that's right. Next, what about abuse? If we're supposed to love our enemies, are you saying that women uh, or men should just stay in abusive situations? No, do not stay in abusive no. situations. That's right. And ultimately, what's, what's uh, important here is to decide what does it mean to stay in an abusive situation? What does it mean to love? You can still love someone who's abusing you, but you don't have to stay living in the same house or let them continue to abuse you. So this is a very sensitive issue, mm-hmm. and it's a way that I think for those who might just take some of the, the teachings at face value and not think deeply about them, uh, that, that not see the extremes at play here, that they might think, oh, you're just supposed to be a doormat for everyone. And, yeah. You can't protect yourself, but that's, you know, that, that is, of course, not the truth because Jesus is going after forming the heart that loves their enemies. But, yeah, do not stay with someone yeah. who's abusing you. That is, that is a Yeah, en- enabling an abuser is not loving no, them well. No, that, that's right. Um, and, you know, I think especially in this situation of marriage, mm-hmm. um, separation it needs to happen immediately but that doesn't mean divorce happens immediately Mm -hmm. necessarily and so this is why wisdom is so needed because these situations do get complex and and challenging oh yes yeah so uh, we would encourage you if you or someone you know is in an abusive situation you're wondering what to do uh get some perspective some outside perspective get some help we would love to talk with you uh, others uh, at our church and uh, help you figure out a good path forward. But we want to get you to safety. We want to get you to a place where, where you can be okay. And ultimately, where whoever is, is doing the abusing, they can, uh, they can health, uh, move towards health as well. And, mm-hmm. and you staying in that abusive situation doesn't necessarily help that. That's right. But you can continue to love them. And even at, uh, at, as, as time allows in appropriate situations with counsel, you know what it looks like to mm-hmm. move towards them even. In yeah. risky love, and we have we have some resources on our website for counseling under our website tallgrass.church under resources, and there's some counseling resources uh, there as well. And yeah, and please do uh, call us, being in touch if, mm-hmm. if you need help out of an immediate situation. That's right. That's right. Separation is often exactly what uh, what's needed. If that's happening. All right. Next. All right, I think we covered that one. Yeah. If you're in, in danger, get to safety, get help, for sure. Next, isn't Satan our enemy? Is Jesus saying we're supposed to love Satan? No, he's not saying that. No. <laughs> Although I get where this question comes from. Yeah. yeah, Jesus did say love your enemies, and it's very clear that Jesus, throughout the whole scripture, Satan is our enemy. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's an interesting question. One that even might uh, bring bring some some interesting thought uh, experiments, but... Yeah, it's pretty clear we're never called, Jesus never saw, says love Satan. Right. Yeah, he never says, you know, do good to Satan. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's pretty clear. It seems like what Jesus is talking about as he forms the heart in us is with one another, with other believers, yeah. with other even non-believers, folks who are humans. Yeah. And uh, I know that that one would take even some more conversation to really dive into. And we're going to look into kind of the nature of, of the spiritual realm and angels and, our, and, hum, and the relationship to humans and stuff like that. Um, hopefully in some subsequent teachings yep. uh, that are coming up. So weeks. we're looking forward to that. So this doesn't answer all the questions, but uh, it's a pretty clear no. We're, yep. we're not called to, to love Satan. Sermon on the plane given to humans. Relating. That's right. 
in the context of humans' relationship with humans. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, for that matter, it isn't in the notes, but what about, you know, hunting? <laughs> Love your enemies doesn't mean we can't hunt. So oh, it's yeah. not even addressed in our relationship to, to animals here. Just that's right. To humans. That's right. That's right. Okay, maybe more questions that raised than it answers, but at least it answers. No, we're not ever called to love Satan. Next, number four, how can I forgive someone if they aren't sorry or if they're not available, like they've died or moved somewhere else? Mm -hmm. And this one gets, this one's hard and it's personal. Very Forgiveness difficult. is hard. Yeah. So there's a difference in the scriptures and I think in our experiences between forgiveness and reconciliation. Mm -hmm. So reconciliation coming back together and, and forming of a, of a healthy relationship takes both parties. Right. And there's only so much one person can do. You can do everything right on your end. You can forgive and there may not ever be reconciliation. And that's, that's a tragedy and sad. But it's not the same thing. We can't control that ultimately. Yeah. But we can control our choice to forgive. And so this one's a tough one because oftentimes this is very difficult when there's pain and mm -hmm. oftentimes great pain and abuse. But it seems like, and this, this kind of came up in the, the story uh, kind of quote that I used towards the end of my sermon uh, about Cora Tim Boom, uh, a Holocaust survivor, uh, being faced specifically with uh, having to forgive uh, one of uh, the Nazi uh, war criminals that had, had abused them and then later became a Christian and asked for forgiveness. Mm -hmm. I can't even really imagine what that would be like. But she, what, what I'm, I'm taking from that was it, there's at one part where she, she talked about her observation was that folks who survived the Holocaust and were able to forgive, even folks, you know, even not specifically able to forgive a person, but uh, were able to forgive in their heart and release that, that they ended up being able to move on and, and move towards health, while the folks who weren't able to forgive, who chose not to forgive and held bitterness, they ended up kind of uh, well, being locked into prison, essentially, not being able to move on, getting locked into bitterness. So there is an element of forgiveness that's for us as yeah, well. Yeah, absolutely. And if the person you need to forgive maybe has no awareness of their sin, maybe they will never look at it, but you're chewing on a root of bitterness, it's going to cause you much more damage than it's going to cause for them. Mm -hmm. And so we, you need to root out that root of bitterness for your own sake. Mm -hmm. And then reconciliation would just be a blessing beyond that forgiveness. So forgiveness can happen without reconciliation. Mm -hmm. um, of course, we want to work towards reconciliation. Yeah, whenever relationships. possible. Um, I think that in, it's in Hebrews 12, it talks about the root of bitterness. Yeah, but even if someone like has died or something mm -hmm. like that, or if they have no desire to engage with you and they won't, you still have the ability to, in your own heart, release them from the debt mm -hmm. that they have towards you to forgive, yeah. to cancel that debt. And so... Uh, of course, that doesn't mean that the, the wound goes away. Actually, what it means is you're willing to take the, the, the wound yourself. You know, it costs you something to forgive. Mm -hmm. uh, but you can do that on your own, even if that person's not there or is unwilling to engage. Yeah, and so in those situations, it's not going to look like a conversation with someone. It's going to probably look like sitting down, pen to paper, maybe journaling mm -hmm. the ways in which they, you were hurt, putting words to that being honest about that hurt and pain and then uh, applying the gospel to that. Christ mm -hmm. has died and um, debts are paid. Um, there's a reserve for you of you, the forgiveness you've experienced that you can now offer forgiveness to others, even if they don't receive it. Right. And, um, and you got to let go of that stuff. And the re the way we can there, the reason we can let go is ultimately that God is the ultimate judge. And we trust mm -hmm. that he is, he's the one who actually will, uh, be able to judge justly and, and 
there is an eternity where folks yeah. will justice will will be done. Yeah. And so we don't have to feel like we have to hold on to it here. So mm-hmm. without that, though, I don't see how you could release people from their debts. Right. And forgiveness doesn't mean you necessarily forget everything. Uh, like yeah, we yeah, talked about good. the situation, someone being abused. You can forgive the abuser, but still not forget what was done and not put yourself back in that situation as if it never occurred. Mm-hmm. So there's a distinction, I think, between forgiving and also uh, forgetting. And Yeah, uh, that's right. So, yeah. That's good. We could probably say more about it. but Yep. Forgiveness is what marks the life of a Christian is what it should because of our experience of God's forgiveness. So. That's right. Because we have a God who judges mm-hmm. justly. And we don't have to. Yeah, that's good. All right, so uh, two more. All right, number five. How can we balance the call to live this sacrificial, love your enemies lifestyle with self-care and drawing boundaries? I think this is another tough one. Uh, but again, mm-hmm. at, the, at the, uh, the heart of Jesus' teaching in this passage is love, learning to, for your heart to be someone, uh, be a heart that can love, mm-hmm. even your enemies. And so that doesn't necessarily uh, have to... Uh, conflict with your ability to engage long-term with ministry. So I, that's what I think of when I think of self-care. Yeah. So sometimes the most loving thing you can do, even ultimately for your long-term output of love to others, is to be able to care for yourself, you know, put the oxygen mask on yourself. Mm-hmm. And so that's a, I see how they can you know, seem intention, and at times it probably takes some discernment to figure out what the most loving path is. But yeah, there's a, ultimately with all the, even the spiritual disciplines and stuff mm-hmm. like that, it's, it's in this same line to form a heart that is able to give love to others even yeah. more. Yeah, I mean, I think of the command to, or the exhortation to love our neighbor as ourselves. And so if you have no context oh, yeah. or category for That's how good. you actually love yourself um, and what God desires for you to be a healthy individual, you know, mentally, spiritually, emotionally, relationally, so that you actually have something to offer others, um, so if you have no margin, if you're not getting good mm. sleep, if you're not taking care of your, your body, your mind, you, you won't last very long in ministry. Yeah, that's right. And some of the examples that we highlight uh, of uh, great men and women of God, uh, their lives were cut short, you know, and maybe they were martyred. Well, most of us have decades of ministry to look forward to. And so we do need to pace ourselves and, mm-hmm. and think of stewarding everything we have, including our bodies, including our time, and our families as well. If you, if you mm-hmm. start sacrificing your uh, time with your children or your spouse or investing deeply in your kids or your spouse, then it doesn't matter what you're doing out here to the rest of the world. Uh, if your family's falling apart, you've taken vows. God has gifted you these children. Mm-hmm. So I think that plays into the I, this idea as well of yeah. caring for self, caring for family, so that we're available. It does seem though that like if there's a like a middle line, a balance line, mm-hmm. I'm not sure that balance line is where we would think. Like it seems like what the scripture does paint though is it gives us categories for both, and we, we value both. And yet I think the line tends to skew more towards uh, loving others sacrificially at the cost to yourself than that maybe the balance we would more naturally. Interesting. Strive. I was going to say culturally, the, the push is the other way. No, that's self care. Well, that's what I mean. Oh, but okay. I think I think the scripture is oh, yes, pointing scriptures. us not to not to go fifty fifty. Right. The scripture is probably yeah. going to push us farther towards the side right. of self giving. So yeah, culturally, our our, our yeah, I think own culture is pushing us towards it's all about you, care for yourself, take care of yourself. That's right. Neglect others. I think there's some 
um, sex within Christendom that pushed this other direction. So are we hitting our time frame here? Yeah, we're getting close. <laughs> oh, I think we're over. Are we? Did it start at 207? I don't think so. Oh, okay. We'll keep, we'll keep going. going. <laughs> All right, let's hit this last one. See let's where do we're it. At. This see last where we're one. At. But what about the Old Testament uh, where God commands the Israelites to destroy their enemies like the Canaanites? Is God a moral monster? <laughs> well, that's a good question. Uh, this is a tough one, and I, frankly, this one we're not going to answer very well because this one takes quite a bit to unpack and study, and uh, there's a lot going on there. Mm-hmm. There's, there's uh, the issues of what, what's the moral nature of warfare. Um, there's the, the reality of God judging the Canaanites for some very wicked stuff, including infant sacrifice and uh, human sacrifice and giving them chances over many years. And there's a lot going on there, and it's, it's kind of messy. Um, but uh, if you're interested in this topic, you know, at least I, I've studied it just enough to be able to, to, to feel comfortable that there, there's not some huge missing piece here, that the God of the Old Testament is the God of the New Testament. Right. However, if you're curious to really study this one, is God a Moral Monster by Paul uh, Copen. Uh, I haven't read this thing fully, but I've seen him talk on this issue, and I've, I've looked through, especially uh, chapters 15 and 16 are about this issue. So I would commend this book uh, to you, and uh, if, you, if you look into it and you want to help us find out more what you learn, give us a book report, that'd be great. Um, but we want to we engage with that one. That might be even a topic for another time yeah. as we engage with that one. But that one's a little bit more nuanced and... Uh, we take a little more time. All right. Yeah, it, th- that question also to me brings up uh, ideas of. Um, Keep going. I'm going to look at the time. Okay. Warfare and um, how we understand even can you fight in in a war um, as a believer, like as a soldier, morally? Can you can you fight a battle while also seeking oh, yeah. to love your enemy? And I think some of the answer to the question about God calling for total annihilation is related to some of the imagery of warfare through the scriptures as well. So. I just said enough there for you to maybe go back and read and look for the spiritual battle that's occurring and how humanity is engaged with it. Maybe I muddied the waters. Well, it's still good. I like that. I love it. Hey, so I guess we're wrapping this thing up. Yeah, we've got about one more minute on that. Uh, yeah, wonderful. Thanks for tuning in to this edition of the this edition, this session, this uh, whatever it is thing of the chopping block. <laughs> uh, of course, there's more resources online. Tallgrass.church. Uh, we hope to come back. You know, our goal is to do this weekly. We'll see how, how often we get this out. Let us know if there's topics you want us to cover, questions you have, ways you want to engage. We're excited about it. Yep. Because that's all. Yep. This, and uh, I'm not sure I said it at the beginning, but this talk was specifically uh, addressing questions from last Sunday's talk, which was called Life in the Upside Down Kingdom, group six. All right. Go watch it if you didn't. See ya. See ya.